As I was asking uh, little Noah and, and Luke who I was, you noticed that they identified me as Gigi. That's what they uh, identify me as or call me. And uh, when I asked them who I was to them, they said that I was their granddaddy. So they had an identification of me being Gigi and being their grand, granddaddy. That's how they see me as who I am. When I asked Michael, he had a little bit different answer. He said I was his dad. He sees me not as a granddad or as Gigi as much as he sees me as dad who raised him from a child. And then when I asked Chris, he identified me as the pastor, as Brett. A lot of different names, but they all reflected on how that individual saw me, who I was to them. And this morning I want to look at a question that the, uh, the Lord Jesus was asking, and that is, who is Jesus to you? That is probably the very most important question that every person has got to answer in their life. And that is, who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Not just his name, but who is he to you personally? Who is he to you in your own life? As we look at these scriptures in Matthew chapter 16, we'll see a, a setting where Jesus is with his disciples. And he's got them gathered around there in Caesarea Philippi. And as they're there, they're probably outside, maybe out on the dust, sitting around. And, and Jesus asks them a question, who does everybody say that I am? Matter of fact, if you look at the different uh, recordings in the Bible in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see that he says, who do men say that I am? Or who do the crowds say I am? And so in some way, Jesus was asking, hey, I want y'all to tell me who everybody else thinks I am. And so when he asked that question, he got some responses of three different individuals. Some say that you are John the Baptist. And of course, John the Baptist had been killed, so he had been coming back from the life as John the Baptist. He said, some think that you're Elijah. Elijah was a prophet who had just an anointing of God's power on his life that could do miraculous things. And then he said, some say that you may be Jeremiah or one of the prophets, basically saying that, that some people think you're one of the prophets from old that have come back and you're continuing to teach us like they taught us. And so as they responded to those three things, we can just read those three, but in reality, those three individuals or different categories of who people thought Jesus was really reflects who Jesus was to those individuals, because if you think of John the Baptist, John the Baptist, remember, he was the one that uh, wore camel skin, I mean, uh, wild skin as clothing, and he uh, ate locusts and wild honey, and he went out into the wilderness, and man, he was preaching hard. He was kind of like what we would see as a very loud, energetic, dynamic evangelist. And so when we look at that today, it was like they were saying in an opinion poll, people say, or a popularity poll, some people say you're John the Baptist. You're kind of like that dynamic evangelist that's out there getting them fired up. That's who people see you as. And then when they said that you're Elijah, that kind of reflected how some people were wanting to see Jesus. And that was Elijah was a man who had great power that could do miracles. And so for some people, they saw Jesus as a miracle man. Someone that they could get to and he could do a miracle in their life. So some were seeing as a dynamic evangelist that got everybody fired up. Some were seeing him as a miracle man that could do a miracle in their life. And then they mentioned Jeremiah and the prophets. And that kind of represents that some people saw him as someone who had great teaching that could answer life's questions. 
And so there were some people that looked at Jesus and he's a great teacher and man, he's got the answers to life's questions and the questions that I have in my own personal life. And all three were different categories. A dynamic speaker that could get us fired up, a miracle man that could do a miracle in our life, and then that guy that he just, man, he can find us where we are living in our life and just give us the answers to life's questions. And you know, people today, they see Jesus in different ways, don't they? You could ask people today, well, who is Jesus to you? Who do you see Jesus as? And some people today see Jesus, if we took a popularity poll or an opinion poll, some people say, well, Jesus is a good man who walked on this earth and he did good things. He did good deeds. He was just a really good man that stood out to people because of how good he was and all the good things that he did. And then some people see Jesus as a very gifted teacher that could teach them good lessons about how to live a good life. And so they look at just the, the writings about Jesus and they just say, hey, there's the answer to some of life's questions about how we can have a good life and live a good life. And then there's some people that I hope are like me and you today that can say, i tell you who Jesus is. He wasn't just a fired up preacher and he wasn't just a miracle man and he wasn't just a great teacher, but he is the son of God. He's my savior. And matter of fact, as Jesus kind of was asking those disciples in the scriptures about kind of getting a popular opinion or a, doing a, a poll with them, then he moved to another question and he said, well, let me ask you this, who do you say I am? Kind of like when I asked Noah and Luke, who do you say I am? You're Gigi, you're a granddaddy. Well, what about you, Michael, who do you say I am? You're, you're dad. Well, Chris, who do you say I am? Well, you're, you're my preacher, you're my pastor, you're Brett. Different expressions to where, how they see him. And yet when the, Jesus asked the personal opinion to those disciples, there was this immediate response from Peter. We know Peter was always one to quicker to respond, wasn't he? To kind of stick his neck out. And so Peter answers the question. And with that question that Peter answers and how the response went from Jesus, we find out who Jesus is to us. Who is Jesus to us? And, he, and actually, he answers three questions that should be some three questions that should be important to us today. So let's read these scriptures together, and then let's find out what the real answers are to some of the last questions about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, I'm reading out the New King James, and it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am the son, or who do men say that I, the son of man, am? What's the opinion of everybody? Verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Three basic different categories, a dynamic speaker, a miracle man, or one who just has the answers to life's questions. In verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? All right, we kind of got the opinion poll, but let's take the personal poll. Let's go from popularity to opinion. And you know, with popularity polls, you can get all kinds of different responses. I read one time a popular poll or an opinion poll where people were asked, how do you get to heaven? And 60% of them said, living a good life. 32% said, you got to have a connection with somebody at the top. 2% said it's helping an old lady across the street. 1.5% said you got to slip St. Peter a large tip to get in. 
Some, about eight, one and a half percent said you got to have a good letter from a good reference. One percent said you got to make a deal with the devil. Whew, that's kind of dangerous, isn't it? They had different opinions. And so Jesus said, I want, I want to go beyond just the opinion poll, the popularity poll. Who do you say that I am? And verse 16 says, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you. Blessed. Happy. That's good. Man, right on. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He said, you didn't learn this from somebody else. God the Father spoke to you in your spirit. Verse 18 says, and I also say that you, that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now we know that there's two questions that Jesus asked. Who does everybody say that I am? And then the question, well, who do you say that I am? And it's just with Peter's response and then the things that Jesus says that really gives us the answer to three very important questions. Here's the first question. What is Jesus' relationship or connection to God? That's one of the first things you've got to establish in your life. What is Jesus? We hear this name, God. We think of God. Okay, God is the one who we can't see. He's up in the heavens. That's God. He created everything. That's what I understand. That's God. So this Jesus, who is Jesus? What is Jesus' relationship or his connection to God? And so we've got to answer that, don't we? We've got to figure that out. We've got to get a hold of that. That cannot be any doubt in our mind. We've got to know who Jesus is and what his relationship or connection is to God. And remember, a lot of people use God to refer to a lot of different things, but we know that the Bible uses a capital G, and it's the one and only God that created the world. And so with Peter's response... He identifies that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, which means the anointed one. Peter is saying, I'll tell you who Jesus, who you are, how you are connected to God. You are God's Son. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You're the one that we've been looking for all this time. You're the one that's the answer to everything that we need in our life. And with Jesus, with uh, Peter's response there, he's taken away all those thoughts about Jesus is just a good man who does good things, or Jesus is just a good teacher who's got some good thoughts for us to think about, about life. He takes all that away and he says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you Jesus' connection to God. He is God's one and only son, his very son, and he is the one that God has anointed with his power and his presence in his life and sent him to be the answer to what we need in life. That's who you are. Now, if you can't get that part right, everything else is going to go downhill from here on out. When Jesus asked Peter, who do you personally say that I am? You know, a person could ask any one of us. He could ask Logan. He could ask Rhett. He could ask Zach. He could ask Joey. What is Jesus' relationship to this God, we say? What is Jesus' connection and it should be immediately. I'll tell you what Jesus' connection is. He is the Son of God. 
He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one that is the answer to what everybody needs in life. You've got to know the answer to that question, what his relationship is and his connection is to this term that we hear God that created this world. But then we go on and we see something a little deeper. Once we establish what is Jesus' relationship or connection to God is, then we've got to get a little more personal, haven't we? And we've got to ask this question. What is Jesus' relationship or connection to you? If someone asked you, the first question, and you said, hey, he's the son of God, he's the anointed one, he is the one who has the power of God in his life, who is the answer to what we need in life. Well, this is, and they've looked at you and said, well, how's he connected to you? How is Jesus related to you in any way? Or how's he connected to you in your life? Well, Jesus, when he hears the response that Peter says, you notice in there that the Bible says that Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. What he's basically saying is Peter your answer reveals that you have a relationship with God and a connection with God and a connection with me because people can't just teach you that answer you've got to have a relationship and so with Jesus responded to what Peter says he said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and you can only know what the Father in heaven is saying to you if you've got a relationship, a connection. And it's with that response that Jesus is beginning to reveal that, that Jesus' relationship or connection to Peter is that God the Father and Jesus ha- or God the Father and Peter have a relationship, and Jesus has a relationship with him. And he said, "Upon this, I'm going to build my church." You see, Jesus is making a complete circle of connection. That if you know that Jesus or that God is connected to Jesus and Jesus is connected to you, then we're all connected together. And that's where it all begins, that we have a personal relationship. Not just a knowledge of what Jesus' name is or not just a knowledge of what the Bible says about Jesus or just a knowledge of what other people have said about Jesus, but he is personally connected to you. As we baptized little Easton a while ago, I didn't baptize him because his mother said he got saved last Sunday. I baptized him because I sat down with Easton and I said, Easton, tell me when you got saved. And he said, I got saved last Sunday after church. Tell me what happened. And so he goes on talking about, he was talking about baptism and about heaven. And his mom started talking to him and he said, I prayed. And I accepted Jesus. I said, so Easton, you know that if you were to die, did you go to heaven? He said, yeah, and he smiled. I asked him a few other questions. You know why I asked all those questions? I wanted to know if Easton, not his mom or his dad, had a relationship with Jesus, but I want to know, Easton, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And he said, I have accepted Jesus. He's coming to my heart. And with those statements, he was revealing that he knew more about that Jesus was just somebody in the Bible or there's stories about Jesus, but I have taken Jesus into my life. So Jesus has a relationship or a connection to Easton Thomason. He's revealed that to me. And so therefore I baptized him to represent all his sins have been washed away and to represent he is an obedient follower of Christ because the Bible says to repent and to be baptized. We talked through all that. So I would know when I baptized him, I wasn't just wedding a kid that wanted to get in some water, but I was wedding a kid that wanted to represent he had a relationship with Jesus.
What is Jesus' relationship with you? Do you have a connection to him? Is it something that's personal, not just a knowledge of, but he is personally walking with you? We were talking in our life in the Word in the college and career this morning, and we were talking about having a a life that is content, that's full of joy, but yet fears God. And when you think about joy and fear, that don't seem to fit together, does it? And so we asked the question, and Logan answered the question in a good way. I said, How do you balance in your life, enjoying life, having a good time, knowing the Bible says that Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly or life to the full, and yet know that you got to fear God and there's got to be some boundaries there? And Logan said, well, you just got to pretend like Jesus is sitting right there with you all the time. That's what I said, cowboy. That's right. You got to pretend that, you got to not pretend, but you got to realize, not pretend, but realize Everywhere you go, Jesus is with you. When you accept him, he has a personal relationship with you. He's connected. He's not just a a person in a storybook, but he has a relationship with you. Then there's a third question, and that is, what is Jesus' relationship or connection to your daily life? We've already established what the relationship or connection is to God. He's God's son. He's the Christ, the anointed one. And the relationship or connection to us individually when we accept him, that we have a personal relationship with him. And he said in the scripture that that's how he's going to build the church. The church is not built on just people who want to come and sign a membership document or pay a fee or anything like that. It's when you accept Christ, that's what Jesus builds the church on in us serving him. But then it comes to our daily life. How does Jesus have a relationship or a connection to our daily life? And I want you to look at verse 19 with me. Because in verse 19, here's what Jesus begins to say. He just said in verse 18 that he was going to build a church upon the rock. And he actually, when he said Peter, it was the word Petros, which means a piece of the rock. And then he said on this rock, and he said Petra, which means The rock. So Jesus said, I'm going to take the rock, which is my life, and I'm going to build it with the pieces of the rock, like Peter and all those who have a relationship with me. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail or conquer it. In verse 19, he said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And to that, a lot of people, even lost people, will say, give me those keys. I like the sound of that. Jesus was revealing that I'm going to build the church upon the relationship that I have with you. That's the church. The church is not this building, although we, this is where we come and worship together. It's a house of worship, house of prayer. But the Bible reveals that the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are the actual church, those who call upon the name of Christ. And he said that he would build his church of people And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, us. And so what Jesus is saying is, my relationship and my connection with you is that I want to put my power in your life, that the gates of hell shall not conquer you, defeat you, and wipe you out in your life. I want to give you that type of power. And he said, and I want to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I believe that a lot of people interpret this in the wrong way. This is my personal opinion from studying the Scriptures. Matter of fact, I have heard many people say when they talk about the Scriptures that he will give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. 
But it didn't say the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That would imply that we were being given keys to take control of heaven. But he didn't say keys to the kingdom of heaven. He said, I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever, if some of you have ever had a bank account with someone, let me tell you how significant this is, okay? Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. This is how significant to and of is. They're both two-letter words, and you say, what's the big deal? It's kind of like if you open a bank account, and it's in your name and their name, and you put Brett and Joyce, that means that anything we got to do, we got to do it together and us. But if we put Brett or Joyce, that means she can do it or I can do it. It's just a three-letter word or a two-letter word, and we think and or or, that's no big deal, but it carries a lot of significance, doesn't it? Either, either one of you can do it or no, 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 it's and. Both of you got to do it. So it carries a lot of significance, just like the keys of the kingdom of heaven or the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So the Bible's telling us that Jesus is not saying, I'm going to give you the keys or the entrance or the power to storm into heaven or storm into hell. I'm not giving you the keys to have that type of power. I'm giving you keys that are of. Does that make sense? They're of heaven, of relating to binding and loosening. Be kind of like this. I got some keys in my pocket. I just happened to bring them along with me. They're keys to a Toyota Sienna. Now, these keys can give entrance. The Toyota Sienna came from the Toyota Manufacturing Company. If I said these are the keys to Toyota, you'd think, oh, I can just go into the Toyota Manufacturing and get whatever I want. I got the keys to Toyota. But that's not what it is. I'm giving you the keys of my Toyota. And you know what? The Bible says that these keys, that whatever I bind can bind and whatever I loose can be loose, these keys right here have already been synchronized with that Toyota. So you can take these keys and I'll give you the keys to open the door, close the door, start the engine, turn off the engine. But you can't go out there and start any engine you want to start. Some of you would go out there and might find a Lexus and say, I got the keys. I'm going to take this Lexus. No, no, no. It's the keys of that Toyota Sienna. What Jesus is saying here is that I'm going to give you the keys, the answer, the power. I'm going to give you the accessibility to loosen what I have already loosened in heaven, to bind what I have already bound in heaven. You see, the Scriptures is telling us. Matter of fact, another key word is when it talks about to give you the keys of. If you go back and study in the original language, that word of that was used means to be in identity-like, to be identical to. So what he's saying is that I'll give you the keys that are identical to heaven. Does that make sense? So Jesus is not saying, hey, I got keys and you go do whatever you want to because you got the power. He's saying, I'm going to give you the keys, the answers, and the power to do what I have already loosed in heaven and what I've already bound in heaven. But you got to have that connection with me. The question Jesus asks is, who do you say that I am? And you got to understand that Jesus has a connection to God. He's God's son. you got to understand that Jesus has a connection to you if you've accepted him as your Savior. He's your Savior, the Lord of your life. But he's also got a connection to your daily life. 
He's got keys, access. He's got power that he wants to demonstrate in your life and through your life. But remember, it all comes from heaven, not from us. Now the question you've got to answer, who is Jesus to you? I want to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the Son of God? Is he your personal Lord and Savior? Is he the one that you have reached out and got a hold of the keys and the power to live out the Christian life? Or is he just a good teacher? Or is he one that has just got the ability to tell you how to live a good life or tell you the answers to life? Who is Jesus to you? You see, Peter couldn't wait. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was saying, you are God's anointed, you are the Son of God, and you are my Savior, you the one I have been looking for. You are the answer to my needs in my life. The question is, who is Jesus to you this morning? As we go into a song of invitation, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior like little Easton did, the question you need to answer is, what are you going to do with Jesus today? If you're not 100% sure that you've given your heart and life to the Lord, today's the day you need to answer the question. I'll tell you who Jesus is going to be to me at the end of this service. He's going to be my Lord and Savior. If that's your need in your life, if I want to invite you to pray a prayer silently in your heart right where you're at this morning. Something like this, dear Lord, I feel your spirit speaking to me. I know I've made some mistakes, but today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart, and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Savior, you made the most important decision of your life. And I want to remember you and rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer this morning with me, would you just slip up your hand for just a second just to say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I know who Jesus is today. He is my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Now I want to ask you another question. If you already knew that Jesus was your Lord and Savior, and He is your Lord and Savior this morning, would you just raise your hand as a testimony and say, He is Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. He's the master of my life. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Many hands went up. Some couldn't raise their hand because they're still dealing with it. Got uncertainty. And let me tell you, you don't want to leave this place with an uncertainty about who Jesus is to you, whether he is your Lord and your Savior. You see, when I was a young teenager, I watched a hell film. And I didn't want to go to hell. And I said, Lord, save me from hell. Several years later, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, Brett, you prayed a prayer that I would save you from hell. That's fire insurance. You never made me Lord of your life. And I knelt down and I asked Jesus not only forgive me of my sins, but I turned my life over to him. And see, when you turn your life over to the Lord and you make him Lord of your life, and he takes control of your life, guiding you, directing you, blessing you, giving you joy in your life, helping you through the trials and the struggles, when you do that, there's no doubt you pull that hand up and you say, I know who Jesus is to me. He's my Savior. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. If, if you're still uncertain or struggling with your salvation, I want you to just come take my hand and let me pray with you. If 
you know that you're saved, I want you to pray for anybody that may be uncertain this morning. Just say, Lord, touch them and don't let them leave today without getting it right with you. Maybe today, when it comes to the keys of the kingdom of heaven, maybe you feel like that you're struggling a little bit there about having power with God. Not that God has given you the keys to have free reign, that whatever you want to bind or whatever you want to lose, it doesn't make any difference what it is. Just have a good time. That's not what he's telling us. He's saying, I'm giving you the keys of what I have already bound in heaven and whatever I have already loosed in heaven. I'm giving you the keys of the hat. If you're needing that power in your life, then I want to invite you this morning to say, Lord, I just want to turn everything over to you and let your power work in my life to experience the fullness of your power and your victory. Would you do that this morning? Dear Lord, we come to you, God, and we thank you, Lord, for your scripture. We gotta be able to answer that question, and that is, who is Jesus to me personally? And Lord, we gotta be able to answer the question also, what is his connection to me in my daily life? It's just a prayer I prayed at some time and that's it. Or do it does, does Jesus, do you have just a really an everyday walk with me? Is your power being evident in my life, working in me and through me? Because that's that's what you want to do. You want to work in me and through me. You've already bound and loosed things in heaven and you've given me access to that. Lord, I want to claim that today. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Lord, we pray, God, that you would be glorified and Lord, that Satan would be defeated. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.